I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and to learn how you can support this and other fine Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Please hang up and try again. Grab a slice of the epic podcast. Don't stick it in your mouth. Put it in your ear holes now. Ladies and gentlemen, Nelson Lugo and Schaefer the Dark Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from the beautiful and spacious Studio 6C in Astoria, Queens, this is the Epic Podcast, Episode 24. I am your host, Nelson Lugo. That button, Lugo! Fuck. Wait, what? What the fuck just happened? I'll tell you later. And I am your other host, Schaefer the Dark Lord. And I am your other, other... Wait, where's, uh... Oh, you are not Charles Stunning. No, I know I'm not. Uh, uh, your, your impression was uh, terrible, but you are still not Charles Stunning. No, I will never be Charles Stunning. Folks, uh, this is the two-year anniversary. It is! It is the two-year... We are in the terrible twos of this podcast. So, we're gonna do things a little bit differently this month. Uh-huh. Um, we have We have given Charles Stunning the month off. <laughs> right, the whole month. Well, we only do one episode a month, so it's, <laughs> right. it's really just one night. Technically, yes. Uh, we've given her the month off. We have no guests scheduled. No. Uh, we thought that uh, it might be fitting mm-hmm. on this, our two, our second birthday. Sure. That just the two of us would just get together and talk about the take past stock. years. Take Take stock. <laughs> Check in. A, a State of the Union. <laughs> state of the Union address. For the Epic uh, Podcast. A, okay, a state, a state of the Podcast. Just sure. the two of them. Getting back to the, the originally when, when sure. the show was uh, two assholes, right. two microphones, right. and no friends. Fair enough. Uh, I, okay, yeah, let's do... Well, you know, last year we had a big who to do about it. You know, we, exactly. We, we did the show live at a theater uh, with, a, with a lovely turnout. Um with a number of different guests and uh, we probably bit off a little more than we could chew with that particular episode. You think so? Um, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, it was, it was daunting uh, for you engineering wise to get all of that together. Sure. Um, and just like setting it up and making sure the sound was right and getting an audience and promoting it like a real show. It was a big, it was a big deal. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, Certain elements may have been given some care, like the production element versus the getting an audience element. Not to, <laughs> right. Hey, I'm not trying to disparage anybody who came to the one-year live show yeah. because you were awesome and each one of we you had, we made had a, the noise of small, 10 fans. We had a small but mighty audience mm-hmm. of loyal listeners who came to, to hear us speak. 
Um, but the, this year, you want to you want to take it back a notch. You want to go back to the go back to our roots, as they say. Right. Well, and also here's the thing now. Yeah. Because in the past year, uh, has it been a past year? I don't when know. you when you moved to Ridgewood, you don't you no longer live in a store. You live in Ridgewood. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that is a neighborhood where dreams are born in New York City. <laughs> is Ridgewood in Brooklyn or Queens? It's like on the border. No, Rich, Ridgewood is technically in Queens, but it's right on the border to Brooklyn. Okay. So I could walk a few blocks and be in Bushwick, which is in Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. Well, ever since you moved to Ridgewood, um, yeah. and I have grown more and more afraid of the world... That's, that's true. You and I don't even <laughs> hang out that much anymore. Uh, no, not that we don't. We don't hang out that often. We get together maybe once a month. We definitely get together once a month to record this podcast, right? But we never really just like get together to just talk and hang out. That's true. That's actually very rare. Yeah, because yes. you you've been very busy and I've been very busy, and it's been it's been difficult to make our schedules uh, match up. Let the record show that Nelson Lugo used air quotes when he said, "You've been very busy." <laughs> <laughs> I've been very afraid of the outside world. Well, also, like, you know, you, you've had a lot of things happen this year that that took up a lot of your time. I had a very busy performance schedule this year. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So so you have been busy. It's just been. And also, like, I've been doing things as well, performance wise, that it was, it was just difficult to make our schedules match. Basically. Sure. So yeah. since we don't uh, we don't see each other as frequently as we sure. used to, I sure. thought it would, you know, since we're celebrating our two-year anniversary of the Epic Pie happy, happy birthday, Piecast. Happy birthday, C. Muldrow. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just going to jump in with both feet and say, yeah. Lugo. Yeah. How you been, man? Um, that is a loaded question. I know. That's why I posed it. Um, right now, I am well. Uh, there's, there's a lot of... Un- <laughs> you sound so bothered by that. Well, it's sort of like... I have plenty to complain about if you were to push the subject. I mean, there's, there's a lot of unexpected drama in my life right now that I'm kind of forced to deal with. Um, but all of that kind of pales in comparison in the fact that I'm actually, for the first time in, say, like four years, I'm generally okay. You know, like there's there's no... Um, there's no lingering sort of psychological baggage that I'm carrying from, from, uh, from the, the shit that went down four years ago, which I think we're probably going to get into today. Sure. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm actually stable. I can actually say for the first time in four years, I'm stable. Like, I have, I have a great job. I have a great show that I'm producing. I, you know, I have, um, I know exactly who my friends are now. And, um, I've got wonder. I've got a wonderful support structure. I'm closer to my sister now than I've ever been, probably in my life. So there's a lot of really wonderful things going on, you know. Which kind of you know that all of that overshadows the crap that I'm kind of putting up with, you know. Um, and there is crap that I'm putting up with, and I'm dealing with it. But it's not something that's going to like send me reeling into some kind of like you know spiral of sadness and despair i think just noting that it kind of indicates uh, a certain amount of growth that you've gone through the fact oh, that absolutely. you are noting that there are things you could complain about yet you're choosing to seize on the positive things in your life that have developed yeah that's not the nelson lugo that i have known no for these 500 years oh god no no this no no a, no no, no, a different no person no well i mean you you are in a very unique position in that you first met me when i was probably 
the most blissfully happiest human being I've ever been in my right. entire life. Right. I got to watch I got to watch the sandcastle crumble. Yeah. It was a really pretty sandcastle. <laughs> it had like spires and there were like little army men posted on the uh, on the towers. It was it was at a drawbridge. It was yeah. a sandcastle with a drawbridge. It yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. And I became and- your friend just as the tide was rolling in. Yeah, you we we became friends just as all of that um the debacle as I like to call it uh sort of, you know, loomed and then like closed itself around me basically. Right. And I've been struggling uh for the past 4 years to climb out of that and it's it's now where I can honestly say I'm well, you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not particularly ecstatic about anything, but I'm not particularly dragged down by anything either. You know, I'm kind of I feel balanced. I feel balanced for the first time in 4 years. It's I've watched this unfold. And yeah. again, just to remind everybody, uh even though this man is my dearest friend, <laughs> of late we don't see each other that that, that frequently. So a lot That's of true. what I gather about what is going on with you in yeah. these past this summer has it's, mostly been from social media. Oh, okay. And um, that you aren't this constant storm cloud, and that no, oh, good uh, God, no, 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 has been really exciting. It's been exciting to watch that develop. It's been exciting to watch you be. Not, <laughs> not a unbridled curmudgeon. Well, yeah. Well, it's also it's been exciting for me to f- realize that because I'm because I'm in it every day, and so I don't because I, I don't recognize the 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 baby step after baby step progression. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it it's only now where I look back and go, oh fuck, yeah, right. I'm now in a new place. I didn't. Okay, that's cool. You know. Um, Let me ask you something. Sure. Is did you get religion? Oh is God! That what oh no. Okay. All right. No, that wasn't. Fuck a, no. That's not a serious question. Okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, you, dear, dear listeners, you, I, I am I am an atheist. You can uh, say that. All right. You can say <laughs> <laughs> that it's been baby steps, and you don't see your progress while you're in it. Yeah. But once you get a little distance from it, then you can look back and kind right. of see it. Would you say that this change in your overall demeanor? Uh-huh correlated with you beating cancer? Ooh. That's you, a damn good question. Do you think it might have that I might think, have started you on this path? I think I think I was I I think I was well already on my way. I think cancer sped up the process. I think I think it added I was just thinking about this so funny. I was just thinking about my cancer today in relation to where I've been the past year. Right. Mm -hmm. And in the past year I've written a show I've, you know, I've, I've accomplished, you know, many things. I've closed the door on many things. And, uh, and I'm also like in, in regard, in, in regards to actually my physical body, like I feel like I've, the cancer's aged me five years. Mm hmm. You know, like I'm graying faster. I'm my metabolism is slowing down much faster now than it had, than it was like a year ago. Um, and I think that psychologically, I think it's also aged me five years, you know, whereas, you know, again, I was never in any real danger of dying, but the cancer kind of sped up my healing process, my emotional healing process. Um, and I got busy living rather than busy just surviving. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, and I think that was the hurdle the one thing that I was having trouble getting past the one, the one speed bump, you know, like I would always bump up against this 
thing. Like I've been surviving for so long. I, I may have forgotten how to actually live my life and cancer just kind of like, Oh, right. This is how you live your life. Mm -hmm. You do the things you say you want to have happen in your life basically. So yeah, I think, I think in many ways it was, it's definitely a major bullet point in the past year that has sped it along. I mean, a couple other things also happened, but you know, um, the, the, the cancer was definitely a definite part of that whole equation. Yeah. Like, I feel you're also using the benefit of hindsight now talking about that by saying, I was never in any danger of dying from the cancer. Well, no, I mean, even then, even, I mean, my, my doctor always, always uh, sort of brought home the point that I was never in any danger of dying. He wasn't concerned about me dying. None of the nurses were concerned about me dying. So I was never concerned about me dying. Um, but just by virtue of having any kind of cancer, well, yeah, exactly, has to make you <laughs> a little bit more likely to die than those not diagnosed with cancer. Well, I mean, I was unless they're involved in some sort of high risk activity like paragliding. <laughs> I was more concerned about the side effects from the chemotherapy. Well, I, that's and that's probably was, what's aging you. Yeah, it's that's not, that's exactly yeah. what's aging me. I'm more I'm more concerned about the ramifications of all that aggressive chemotherapy than I was ever about the cancer. Yeah. And the thing is, I've actually come to the conclusion recently that the reason why I was able to laugh through the cancer for the most part and have you know a really good attitude about it is because I realized what, I guess it, it wasn't a cognizant thing while it was happening, but underneath all of the cancer fear, I knew that cancer was not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, yeah, cancer was it has not even close to the worst thing that's ever happened to me. That's almost a sunny spin to give <laughs> to the debacle. Yeah, of two thousand nine. Almost, like, it's almost enough to say like, "Hey, there's a there was a benefit to that because it braced me what, against so many future horrors, including <laughs> cancer, that right. I was just skipping to Malu." Yeah, like I mean, I did I did have moments of fear and and uh, uh, panic during cancer, but those were very few and far between. You know, um, my my doctor was never concerned about it. My nurses were never concerned about it, and so I just kind of trusted them and trust, trusted the science involved. You know, and I was I was able to laugh through it. I was able to, you know, have exceedingly more ridiculous observations about it as it went on because I wasn't scared. Yeah. You know, I wasn't concerned. Like, you know, I to me, looking back on it now, it was just an unfortunate four month period of my life. Basically is what it is, what it boils down to. You know, that I'm, you know, that I'm still kind of feeling the ramifications of, but they're like, you know, I'm graying faster. Big fucking deal. You know, like I'm, I, I put on a little weight, big whoop. If that's the worst thing that's ever happened, that's ever right. going to happen to me, I'll be fine. But yeah, cancer was. <laughs> it's also probably hard to fixate on those things because the other, the big jump start that you got from that whole experience yeah. was that you rededicated yourself to your art. Yeah, absolutely. Your show. That's, I think, a thing that's indicative of a new Lugo is that when you look back on it, you can now sort of celebrate in the I got a show out of this, yes. out of the aftermath of <laughs> yes. this yeah. and not, oh, chemo did things to my body. Yeah. I mean, you know, Gathering the Magic is the show that cancer built. Yeah. This is basically it. Uh, and you don't even talk about cancer in the show, do you? No. Yeah. Well, because I think I think ultimately I'm I'm still too close to it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I, I don't have an objective 
point of view about it just yet. No, you're saving that shit for the follow up, aren't you? Well, yeah, I have I have a <laughs> I have a follow up show that's that's kind of fucked up. Uh, that's I'm writing as we speak. All right, well, don't talk about that yet. Keep no. talking about Magic the Gathering. But yeah, but but it, but that's basically it. Um, it's it's been a really weird year and and six months you know it's it's i've i've gone through some amazing things in my life and i've gone through some pretty fucked up things in my life but overall it well the thing is like i mean technically i'm a cancer survivor but that feels disingenuous to me no you are no i a know cancer survivor I get it. yes okay. technically i'm a cancer survivor yes on i had cancer and i survived it yes but i that phrase those two words put together has a lot more weight than i than i can honestly attach myself or responsibility to is this just because of a matter of severity you feel that there are so many other people that have whose people, battle has been so much stronger that yes. yours doesn't no, people, somehow have my, validity uh, yeah uh, well it's not it's not about validity it's like i had cancer for four months and now it's gone and i'm never gonna have to worry about it ever again you know what i mean mm. Um, there are people who get cancer and never get rid of it. They fight it, it their entire lives. And some of them, and people die every single day as a result of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, I'm a cancer survivor, but I didn't really survive cancer. It, it, it you know, I, I got sick, they gave me medicine, and now I'm better. That's kind of how I think about it. Hmm. You know, I, because again, my mortality was never in question. Well, it wasn't for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. You actually had a pretty rough time of it. I'm sorry about I that. I did. Yeah. I didn't come visit you as much as I should have because it right. bummed me out too much. No, I know. I was like, he's going to die. No, I know. I know. Which is why I never gave you a hard time about it. Um, you know, I told my therapist all about it. I'm sure you did. A lot. And I mean, you, but you know, to your credit, you actually did visit me a lot more than I thought you were going to. <laughs> So kudos to you. Nice. Yes. I like that expectations are always set low for me. Well, no. Because <laughs> it makes it really easy to surpass them and be the super being. <laughs> no, no. In that, in that regard, one, I know how you feel about hospitals. Oh. Um, I know how you feel about seeing loved ones in some kind of like health jeopardy. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but. You don't, you don't deal well with sick friends. Uh, and I kind of had like the ultimate sick friend thing. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. I mean, you visited me as much as you could. And I'm grateful for, for that much. You know? All right. Good. I brought you pornography. Wait, did you? I brought you pornography for your birthday. Oh, that's right. You didn't bring me porno. For, oh, that's You did bring me porno for my birthday. I do remember. I still have it, yeah, actually. Good. It's Batman porn. Yes, it is. It's pretty good, actually. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it's Batman porn. <laughs> Um, um, do you want to, do you want to talk about the thing that we've been circling around basically? What's, whoa, what's the thing we're circling around? Well, oh, your, your thing? Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Or do, do you want to, do you want to, no, 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 do I, you want to catch up a little bit more before we drop that, that thing? Well, um, have you ever talked about it on the show? No. Yeah. We, we've, we've never talked about it on the show. I, I'm, I'm, I'm technically out of the closet cause I, I talked about it on, on social media. Yeah. Uh, social networking and this, yeah. All right. So here's the thing. There has been a, yes, there is a bit of an elephant in the room. And when I yeah. talked to you ahead of doing uh, this episode, we're looking over the past two years. Yeah. Um, uh, I suggested that we, we catch up and talk about things that have uh, affected us and things in our lives. And you had mentioned that you were finally ready to talk about, something that you had experienced a few years ago. Yeah. And you have, I saw the, I saw you speaking about it on social media. So 
Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that publicly. Okay. Yeah. Um, how do you want to get into this? Well, the year was 2011. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Was it 12? No. No, no, no. It was, well, no, it might have been, no, actually it was 2010. What? No, it was 2011. Because it was, I feel like it was right before the Epic Win Burlesque Rated R for Violence show. No. No? No, no, it was 2010. Basically, okay, so here's here's the timeline how it works in my head. At one point, so dear listeners, um, at one point I was married, and then I wasn't. I'm not really going to go into the details of how, of how it, uh, how, the, the 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 impending loss of my wife happened, uh, except to say that um, at one point uh, she was really really in love with me, and then she decided she wasn't. And uh, decided that she wanted to move on. Um, I don't necessarily agree with her methods and how she went about it. Uh, but it was to say that it was heartbreaking is a gross understatement. My goodness, it sure is. Um, it was when I say that cancer wasn't the worst thing that's ever happened to me. My wife leaving me is the single worst thing that has ever happened to me in my life so far. Yeah, uh, those um, were um, those were th- and those are like the days when our friendship was really forming. We we became right. friends when you were still married. Yes, and so I was there and watched your marriage end. Yeah, um, and then I was your friend through those several years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Several years of of crushing depression. Oh, yeah. and um and making scenes in public and <laughs> and wait I made scenes in public just go with me on this oh dear and oh my god the the social media oh uh, things, yeah the... yeah I um I was once uh jokingly referred to as the um the dashboard confessional of burlesque <laughs> uh basically um I got depressed which again is a bit of a gross understatement. Uh, depressed, it doesn't really quite capture the despair. Um, it was it was a deeper, more profound sort of emptiness, uh, a a a kind of void that I had never experienced before in my life or since. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be clear, I just want to like put it out there: I am not clinically depressive. Um, I've never been diagnosed. I've never been treated because that's not a part of how my brain works. Um, and uh, basically, over the course of 10 months of just unchecked sadness and depression uh, and self, uh, self-sabotaging self behavior, um, I got to the point where I considered uh, suicide as a viable option, which uh, both eased—it was weird. It, was, it, was, it, it both eased me a bit— it, it took away some of the sadness for a bit because there was now an, op- an option available to me. Mm-hmm. And it also terrified the fuck out of me. Right. At the exact same time. <laughs> that you are now seeing this as a viable option right. to a predicament in right. which you found yourself. Um, I never got to the point where I was in the planning stages. Like, I never actually had a plan. Mm-hmm. It was more of a, a sort of a, a moment of opportunity kind of thing. Like Right, because you... Uh, a, 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 a yeah. side, uh, in addition to being a magician, yeah. you've also done a lot of sideshow work before. And I, oh, I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. Telling me about that you had this moment and you were at home and the tools of your trade yeah. are all potential death machines. Yeah. 
like you know i have like six inch nails i have very sharp throwing knives i've got razor blades i've got you know white gasoline i've got basically all of my props had the potential to to kill me uh which was a weird revelation when i looked around my room and going oh what a lovely den of death i've collected <laughs> um basically uh i'm not I, I don't want to get too much into the story but um i very luckily uh contacted uh the woman who saved my life um through just sheer desperation because i was terrified of what i might do and she got me into a uh, mental institution uh which was the presbyterian uh psychiatric hospital in white plains and uh i was there for a week um and I learned a great deal about myself, not the least of which is I don't actually want to die, um, which was a big step. Yeah. Uh, and then when I left... I would imagine also the first step. <laughs> yes. You want to first address the, you might want to consider not dying. Yeah. And then we'll like, we'll do, now we'll do the details. Right. Right. Okay, go on. Well, the thing is like, um, I think I said this to my doctor in the hospital. I said, I don't, it's clear to me I don't want to die. I just didn't have a reason to live. Sure. And once I left the hospital, I had to not only contend with the fact that I was suicidal, but I had to sort of guard myself against those thoughts, but also deal with the fact that that was actually a thought in my brain. You know, um, the fact that that was, the fact that that was even an option for me was devastating to deal with. Right, because you know. this is not who you had known yourself no. previously. This no, is no, not, no. This is not. This is not an eternal struggle that was familiar to you. No goodness, no. I I shocked myself. It was a, no one was more surprised than I was when that became an option. Um, I've I've never been that kind of person who needed to act out in those ways for attention. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I wasn't. I was. I never. I just never grew up thinking that was even an option. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 and luckily I got the help I needed and I'm very, very grateful for that week in the mental hospital. Um, and that was really sort of like the beginning of my road out of the darkness, really. Um, that and you kind of coming to me and saying, I think you're addicted to being sad. And that kind of, that kind of woke me up. And ever since it's just been a progression every single day, just getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. Yeah. You know, I think, I think ultimately what people don't seem to realize is that when my wife left, everybody around me was incredibly supportive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the tops. Everybody, everybody's compassion and empathy for what I was going through was outstanding and humbling. Mm-hmm. But that only lasted for three months. After three months, they expected me to get over it. Or they just didn't want to deal with me because they didn't know how to handle somebody else's um, depression, mm-hmm. essentially. So they pulled back. So that amazing support that I had for three months was gone. And so, and there's no, I mean, there's no statute of limitations on how long you're supposed to be sad about something. Fair enough. You know, it took, it, you know, it took me four years to get over a marriage that lasted two, mm-hmm. you know, um, and there isn't, and I can say this without actually crying, which is a big step. I, uh, I still think about her. 
there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about her in some capacity. Really? Yeah. Like so, sometimes it's more like a fleeting thought. Like it's just a thought and it goes away. Sometimes it's a little bit more than that. But there isn't a single day that goes by where I don't think about her in some way. You know, um, I, it took me a long time to recognize the fact that I am still absolutely and unapologetically madly in love with her. Uh, I don't trust her. Um, I don't, I don't think I could be in the same room with her without feeling. (sighs) (laughs) All, everything. Well, like every single emotion. Well, yeah, but it's mostly like, I just, I feel sorry for her really more than anything else. Like, you know, I got the help I needed. I don't know if she got the help that she needed. You know, she did what she did because she was battling whatever demon she was going through. Sure. You know, and she did. That's a big step. Oh, yeah. That you that you say. I mean, there were there was a very long time where she was only ever spoken of as a heartless, malicious demon. Well, but even just you saying that indicates like a little bit more like. I think nuanced understanding that everybody's got their own. Oh, absolutely. No, I still I still think of her as a monster, (laughs) you know, but her her deeds her 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 acts, actions uh towards me or against me i can i can see, you know i i can i don't i don't know i still don't know what happened i still don't know why she did the thing she did um but i can un, I, I can empathize with someone who's going through something really problematic and mm-hmm. they don't know how to deal with it i can i can i can i can i can, I can have empathy for her i don't like her Right. You know, I may actually even hate her, you know, but I don't, um, what's the, it's, it's very, it's very conflicting. It's a, it's a very conflicting thing. Well, it sounds like it because just seconds ago you were talking about how you're still madly in love with her. I am. Now you're saying that you hate her. No, I do. At the exact same that's, time. That's, that is, that is consistent with you saying that it's a complicated set of emotions. Yeah. Like I, you know, I don't, I, I don't trust her. Sure. Um, I don't want to be in the same room with her. Um, I think she's. To me, I'm sure there are dozens, possibly hundreds of people in her life whom she's kind and caring and compassionate towards. I was not one of them. And so from my experience, she is not a good person. Right. You know, um, I, I envy those people that she chooses to be a good person towards. Well, maybe you can ask her yourself because we've got a special <laughs> guest. Come on out. <laughs> How fast would our friendship end if I did that? If um, I just all of a sudden she just walked into the room. That would before or after I pushed my fist through your face. Uh, you wouldn't do that. Oh my god, I would knock all your teeth out. Cool. <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago we were gonna do when we did a Valentine's Day episode, there was like a conversation that lasted. I never believed that conversation. A conversation that lasted like ten seconds. I never believed the conversation. Where I was like Hey, yeah. this is like the kind of first time we had an episode where instead of just talking about Batman, we were talking about well, this our was feelings. A, this was the episode where you talked about your your marriage. It, well, it was our Valentine's, our first Valentine's yeah. Day episode. Let's take a listen to a clip. No, wait, let's not take a listen to a clip. <laughs> you can find it online. <laughs> but it was our Valentine's Day episode yeah. and we had my ex-wife on the show. Yeah. And I had just suggested for like, again, it was a 10 second conversation. Yeah. What if we got both of our ex-wives and we had them be guests on the show? And no, I remember about, that conversation. Yeah. 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 And I was like, that's going to be some great content. I, I never believed for a second you would do that. 
no, I, I couldn't do it. And no. it worked out really great because I thought my ex-wife was a, it was a great guest and I thought it was a good episode. Right. Because you're actually still friends with her. Yeah. We were great friends. So it wasn't, it wasn't even going to be nearly the same thing. Like I'm bringing like this kind of buddy and our relationship right. is a little weird because of our history. <laughs> and in your case, I would be bringing just like a powder keg into the room. Well, it's sort of like, I mean, her story just, just kept getting worse. You know, oh uh, right, but there were revelations. Like, yeah, that's why you. That's why it took so long. That's why it was so strung out. Why you didn't just have your like six months of mourning or whatever, and then you got over it. It was because like every I kept six getting months, information. there was some new thing that you would find out, well, and you would just spiral again. Well, basically, here's here's the very general timeline, right? Oh boy, she she basically confessed to me um, at one point that she thought marrying me was a, was a, was a mistake. And that she didn't love me anymore. And then that was basically a one-year process of her pulling away, pulling away, pulling away, pulling away. Until, you know, add to that some emotional abuse um, that I, I kind of suffered at her at her sort of out, you know, lashing out, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, until finally she uh, left, essentially. And then uh, it, was, it was a, a good long while um, of some several failed relationships of which that I'm barely speaking to one of them because only one of them barely forgives me. Um, uh, I know all of these. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was a horrible boyfriend and you sure were. Yeah. I, I, I have apologized <laughs> profusely for all of them to all of them. And they've chosen to either forgive me or not forgive me as a, as a case. Maker. You should write a rap song, which <laughs> apologized to all of them by name. Um, yeah, I'll do okay. it. Right. Um, and then, uh, um, and then I found myself in the mental institution, and so oh, yeah. that was a thing I had to deal with for right. a little while. And then I got out of the mental institution, and then found out that she cheated on me with several people, and that everybody knew except me. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe you didn't know, but a lot of people knew. A lot yeah. of people came up to me after the fact. Here's here's the wonderful and awful thing about the burlesque community at least one of the one of the most awful and one of the most wonderful things about the new york city burlesque community it's a highly charged sexual atmosphere the new york city burlesque community Mm -hmm. because you're dealing with burlesque right it's a Mm -hmm. very it's a very tantalizing very sort of sexual art form um and so there are a lot of people who are into the sort of polyamorous um uh sort of open relationship uh, lifestyle and of those there's a few of them who do it ethically right <laughs> there's there's at least two who do it ethically right there's at least a percent yeah of those who identify as poly so here's here's the brilliant thing she did she didn't really hide it that she was flirting and sleeping with other people because she told other people that we were in a completely open relationship and because the open relationship poly people it's it's sort of like it's bad form it's it's uncouth it's bad manners to talk about other people's relationships to not only other people but to the to the primary the significant other yeah so there are a, a lot of key people who actually knew she was doing this but never told me because they thought i knew yeah um which is both brilliant and insidious actually it's kind of brilliant what she did. Doesn't insidious uh, kind of imply brilliant? 
I don't know. Does it? I'm. I'm You're the wordsmith. I'll go with that. Fair enough. Um, and so it was only after I found out that she cheated on me that all of these people came out of the woodwork and said, "Oh, we thought we we thought you knew." And it was that like, shit was happening in the Macy's Day Parade. Yeah, it was everywhere. Yeah. You know, and and so. You know, and so revelations like that kept turning up, and so every time I kind of felt like I was coming out of the clouds, new information. Would and then, and all the time, I would get a text indicating some new trespass that you had just learned about. Yeah. And I would say out loud in my empty apartment, reading this text, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> at least a couple of times, I would just look at it yeah. and I'd be like, "Oh fuck!" He was doing so well too. Really? This is gonna set him back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah, because I would see you having progress, like. You like the reason why I keep going on like this first like, the last half hour about like sure. you being so like kind of um, so much better. different yeah so much better than you used to be <laughs> was just that you would have these like these little tiny steps up the mountain like all right he's coming out of the darkness he's coming out of the darkness he's coming out of the darkness fuck yeah and it would like knock you back down and I'd be like shit he was doing so well yeah yeah and also part of the problem is that I never got any resolution. I never got any closure. Such a stupid thing, but I never got to hash. Closure is not a stupid thing. That is, it's a valid thing that we all need. No closure. Closure is impossible, right? Because no one's ever going to be, be able to say or do anything that's going to make it better. That's not what closure implies. Well, closure, you can get closure and it's still not better. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of something different. Okay. Um, but when I found out that she first cheated on me, we were actually speaking. We were actually still, you know. No, you weren't. Yes, we were. No, you weren't. No, we were. We, oh, I before, don't know what you call speaking, but you guys were not. You were barely, barely talking. We were, we were, we were still texting each other, but very limitedly and very civilly. Okay. You know, um, we both had agreed that it's going to take time but we both want each other in our lives. We both want to be friends. And, and, and however long it's going to take, we would make that work. All right. Because I still was in love with her. I'm still in love with her. Um, and she loved me as best she could. Um, when I texted her to sort of validate or confirm. Confront. No, or, you texted her to confront her. Well, yeah. Well, I needed to know if it was true or not. This is the first time you'd heard about it. Yes. Yes. Because I was hearing this stuff from, from, from people and I was telling them that they were lying, but I was getting too many of them to, to excuse it. And so I said, um, I need you to tell me what these people are saying. She, <laughs> she texted back, um, you're going to believe whatever you want and then block me from every conceivable way of communicating with her on the planet. Well, that's, that doesn't really speak too well to her defense no no it doesn't but the thing is it's like i've actually spoken to the people involved in the infidelity um not all of them uh, <laughs> enough of them okay um because they thought i knew uh-huh. um they they did it because they thought i was in on it they thought it was okay and kosher yeah um and so that was my life for like the first two years uh, and then I got cancer. <laughs> There's a chunk of time between. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I was very sad and it took me a very, very long time to not be sad. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, that's basically it. And I guess really the, the, the takeaway from this is if, if you're listening to my voice and 
you are sad and you are depressed and you have if you have forgotten what happiness feels like please get help you know um, there are going to be people in your lives who have shut you out because they can't handle your emotional state don't blame them it they're human they don't they're not they're not equipped to deal with that level of despair very few people on this planet are there are people who go to college and get degrees to handle people with that kind of despair seek professional help go to a mental institution if you feel like there's no other recourse check yourself into a mental institution i am not kidding that i swear if it wasn't for the fact that i was sad that week in the mental institution was fucking awesome well, yeah, I remember meeting up with your sister and giving her like a Game Boy to bring to you. There. Yeah, like here's the thing: like I so got damn I, right a bunch of uninterrupted Game Boy time. Did I, I just say Game Boy? Yeah, I meant DS. I know what you. I know okay. what you meant. Uh, I got five meals a day. I what? I had nap time. I had uh, like arts and crafts sessions. I got like quiet time in the afternoon. There was group therapy sessions, two huge screen televisions. Jesus, you're like there describing Shangri-La. I know. There was like, there was a movie and popcorn every night. There was snack time before bed. All right, maybe dial this back. You're really like, you're selling this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the thing is like, they gave us drugs. Here, have drugs. Take them. It was... If, if, if I was, I was too what kind sad. of drugs were they giving you? Oh, God, I don't remember. They were antidepressants, basically. Right. Um, uh, it was great. If it wasn't for the fact that I was just too fucking sad to appreciate it, I would have had a wonderful time there. Yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> Sorry that your bad feelings ruined your vacation. <laughs> well, it was a forced vacation. Well. Uh, but it was a much needed. Uh, it was, it was the, the second I got there. I knew how ridiculous I had been, and I was ready to leave. Um, but my doctors uh, were like, nope, you're going to stay here a week because <laughs> you're a crazy person. Um, and I think everybody everybody just needs a break every now and again. Everybody yeah. just needs a break from life for a little bit, you know, just so they don't... I wasn't responsible for anything. I didn't have to think about anything. It was fantastic. Man, you're really selling this. So. Yeah. All right. Seriously. Um, so, you know, get... If you are sad, get help. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but let's like make it heavy with the if you're sad. If okay, you're sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a uh, 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 it's a part of my life that I kind of look back on and go, ooh, that was a terrible, terrible time in my life. And um, and now when and I know you didn't want to go on about like sort of smaller things that are sure. going on, but now yeah. when you're faced with any kind of uh, adversity in your yeah. life, it's not as daunting as it used to be. No, because I've already I've already experienced the worst thing that's going to happen to me. So that has that has empowered you, and that has given you new. Yeah, nothing and nothing. I can't imagine right now, other than say like the unfortunate death of a family member or you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can't imagine anything other than some pretty you know extreme situ- situations that's going to be worse than what my you've already again. endured. Yeah, yeah. So bring it on, fucking cancer, whatever, done. So next. So you were just just to recap here. <laughs> I just I just want to make sure I I just want to make sure I got this right. Right. So you were incredibly sad, sure, and everything was horrible, yeah. and you were a total just pessimist, absolutely, and everything was bleak. Yeah. But you have like kind of overcome, and now you have become much more optimistic. Yeah. And you are now able to see 
um, you are able to look for to the potential instead of the doom in things. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a second. Right now it's about 5.49 and I feel like I'm still alone In my mind all alone with my thoughts in this place I will rot, what's my name? It escaped me, depleted its spot What's the name of this pain that's been eating my heart? What's the name of this vein that's been draining? It's dark, I've been left, I've been bound, I've been down and beaten Yet I still keep it in mind for whatever reason I don't see you Shut up, I'll be fine, I'm leaving I don't feel you Maybe cause my heart stopped beating I don't believe you Maybe if you listen to what I got a mind full of lines that are misunderstood Yeah, I guess Maybe I'm addicted to the pain Every tear that I've shed in the essence of the rain Yeah, it's hard getting close to me Harder than it's supposed to be Maybe if you dig a little deeper you would notice me About now it is 6.17 As I see the sunrise and I still never sleep As I sit, memories make me sick of every Body that I've ever seen, friendship severing Solo, I lay solo, isolated and All alone, yo, oh no, try to understand Though I'm loved by my fans when the mic's in my hand Off stage I stay home, I'm an island of a man I don't see you Cause you get who I put on a page And not the animal that paces in an unlocked cage You get a parody of me whose insincerity You beat upon and focus, you don't know it Though he's barely even me I push you all away from me, I fear you will drown Pull down and washed away with me in tears of a clown Clear out and leave me be in peace, I'm closing this door Before I'm six feet deep, my grave is on the sixth floor me this whole time and uh my my uh, uh sort of adventures in depression and not depression and i have to say uh, um i have to say um i am one one of the things i am so i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How grateful about you is that even in my darkest moments, and there have been many. Oh, yes. You never wavered in your support and friendship to me. Not once. You you were you were the constant in my life in the sort of turmoil that was my fevered brain you were you were actually the rock that was in my life that i could depend on as being you you know what i mean and you always had something wonderful and supportive to say and you never you never told me what i wanted to hear you always told me what i needed to hear and you always did but you always did it in a very loving way uh and for that, I will be infinitely indebted and grateful to you. Oh, well, look, I, I've i just always been the kind of friend that I to you that I thought you always needed. Uh, I don't want you – you certainly don't need to feel indebted to me, but um, – Well, you no, need, just, you, I mean, there were t- – you needed – you needed support. Yeah. So many times. And well, oftentimes the- that support came in the form of – brutally like tough love (laughs) well yeah yeah but you were consistent you know what i mean you were consistent in your support of me you know pretty much like six months into my depression before i even went into the mental hospital everybody had pretty much written me off and every time i had something sad to say they all rolled their eyes and they were pretty much done with me and my emotional state because they expected your depression or your, your, your sadness yeah. because they expected your sadness to have an expiration date. Yes. And I mean, I don't necessarily blame them because again, they're human and they're not trained to deal with other people's fucking emotional life. Um, you were the only person in my life that I could count on for me to kind of vent towards or like be sad with. And you never, you never wavered in that. Um, which is interesting now uh, because I find that we've kind of flip-flopped yeah, a we, little bit. Yeah, we have. You know, you, you have uh, you've dealt with some crushing blows uh, the past couple of years. Um, and I think in many ways you delayed your... Because your marriage fell apart pretty much around the same time mine did. Yeah. And you delayed your reaction to that for a good long while. Yeah, I did. About a, about two years. I about would think. two years before I really... You, delay, you actually delayed dealing with that for about two years. Yeah. So when I was on my way out, you were on your way in. <laughs> basically. We basically high-fived at yeah. the revolving door. <laughs> right. And... And then... And then, you know, you, you suffered a pretty traumatic loss. Yeah. Which... Like, you know, you, you like, you know, you, you tell a story about you getting a text and you're like, oh, this is going to set him back. I had the exact sort of same reaction because it seemed like the clouds were lifting. You were sort of becoming some semblance of yourself again. And then, and then tragedy struck. Yeah. Um, 
And I think we've talked about it a little bit. Just, here, yeah. You know? I mean, we talked about it a bit like on our year wrap. Yeah. Our year end recap last sure. year. Sure, sure, sure. And let's take a... No, we're not going <laughs> to... Um, but I haven't really talked about it much since then. And, yeah. and it's a similar thing. Like, I don't talk much to other people uh, about it um, that frequently because no. I feel like there's an expectation that there's an expiration date on one's morning. Yeah, absolutely, and, absolutely. And that I don't want to, like... I feel like I have an obligation to make people comfortable and not... And not bum them out by talking about, you know, bad oh, things. Yeah, and so yeah. I just kind of avoid it. It's – I don't know if this is a thing that is consistent with all people or it's definitely something that is consistent with people who are performers mm. where we have a kind of a hard time not performing. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. That's true. And so I've I, – I, You're putting on you, – well, you're putting on an act because you think you have to. Yeah. So even yeah. when I'm in public and just socializing and not actually on a stage, I feel like I'm still kind of doing a show for people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this past year has been kind of fucking horrible for me. No. I Yes. Uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, last year was already – when I say – when I maybe mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I am kind of this social hermit, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. I – I spent most of last year uh, in solitude because I was working. I was so uh, doggedly working on finishing my last record. Yeah. Well, you had to. I had to because I had to get it out, and there yeah. was a ton of work to do. Absolutely. And, um, but after I after I finally finished it, and again, it was kind of a incredibly personal and difficult record to finish and release. Sure. After I finally got it out, I felt kind of lost. Like I felt like I had this. Yeah. You had the post-show blues. Yeah. I had the the post-show blues. I had the separation anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Where now I don't know what to do because my whole existence has just been focused into just make this record, make this record, make this record. Don't do anything social. Stay in your apartment and just work all the time. So when the record was finished and it was out of my hands, then I didn't really I, I like I'd spent mo- like pretty much the whole year. I didn't know how to be around people. Well, I would imagine that you had a a, a far more protracted post show blues because of your album than say like you know you you worked you worked a couple of months and you and you did a burlesque show right? right. And then yeah, I mean there's always like that day or two after where you're like no, and I got nothing to do. Yeah, you like you worked on your album for the better part of a year. Yeah, in there, earnest. There's probably 12 episodes of this show where you're <laughs> ribbing me about not being done with it yet. Um, and so, on, on on top of you kind of like finally dealing with the loss of your marriage, yeah, you got your your post record blues. So yeah, um, yeah, in it was in in 2012 was was when the the my post depression or my post marriage depression really took hold. Yeah. And, uh, even though it'd been many years because I just kind of lived in denial and surrounded oh, myself with distractions. Oh, yeah, you did. Sure. I'm, hey, I'm fine. We're talking. We're friendly. But it didn't really <laughs> sink in. And yeah. I, I had this huge breakdown in 2012. And that's when I started seeing my current therapist and uh, and then spent all of the next year like working through my problems in a comedy rap album. So when that <laughs> finished, right. I didn't really know how to be around people again. So I immediately just started clinging to like finding little silly projects I could just busy myself with because yeah, I just remember keep, just keep staying distracted and things will you be... did a lot of guest verses I did a lot of guest verses <laughs> <laughs> you want me to do a guest verse who are you ah it doesn't matter I don't need any information what's the deadline um so yeah I did a lot of that stuff and 
and con- so that I could continue staying in this like isolation, isolated state yeah. that I had uh, yeah. this Rip Van Winkle type of, not and, Rip Van Winkle, and, more of a Howard Hughes, I guess. Yeah. And during, and sort of like during that time, like we don't see each other all that often anyway. Mm. And like during that time, we didn't see each other even more. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for the podcast, I probably wouldn't have seen you at all. And in the month. Yeah. Um, so, and then near the end of the year, last year, 2013, uh, a couple months after the record had been finally finished, uh, my mother was hospitalized uh, with a brain aneurysm and then ultimately passed away. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I spoke about it on social media when it first happened, and I mentioned it on our end year recap because it would have been ridiculous to not mention it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this, I guess, in not mentioning it and being like this kind of having like a public identity in which I am right. kind of constantly performing and, and trying to make people comfortable in my presence. I've kind of denied myself the ability to really mourn publicly. Yeah, mourn publicly. I definitely mourn. <laughs> no, I know you do. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I, I know for a fact that you do. Uh, but yeah, and, and it was also kind of a bit of a delayed reaction too. like obviously I was very... I was very heartbroken when my mother died, uh, but it took a few months Yeah, at, in, into this year, and yeah. this year has kind of been awful because of it. Well, yeah, obviously. It's been, it's been just horrible. Like, I feel like I don't know how to behave in public. I don't really know uh, who my friends are or if I have friends. Right. I mean, obviously you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I'm just, I'm just so, so fucking miserable and sad all of the time yeah, and yeah. and I'm still doing the same thing I've still spent like the better part of the year just busying myself with projects so that I because if I stay busy well, then I don't well the thing is that's that's actually good I mean what one of the one of the things that I you know that that I learned during the whole uh suicide time mm-hmm. was that you you know busying yourself is a valid coping mechanism sure. you know um, and staying busy, staying focused on other tasks rather than than staying focused on wallowing and spiraling out of control, or like say falling back on some of my old coping mechanisms, right? Like my my good buddy cocaine, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who doesn't live here anymore? Good, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, staying busy is is a valid thing to do yeah. and is actually encouraged, you know. Um, because busying yourself with things that are productive and move your life forward, those are wonderful things to become addicted to. All right. You know. Um, That's the kind of enabling that I like. <laughs> right there, well, I would it. much, I, I personally, like, you know, like, I've never done an illegal drug in my entire life. Right. Um, I do not judge you. I have never judged you on your uh, drug use, um, your recreational drug use. Uh but I would be tickled pink if you became addicted to doing guest verses for the rest of your life and not do anything else. I've cranked out a lot of them this year. I know you, <laughs> I know you have. Um, you know, I, I personally, I guess, I mean, I've said this before to you. I'm going to say it sort of publicly now. I am so happy that I'm in a place now where I can be that sort of constant uh, friend to you now. Yeah, it's... You know, in many in many ways, the way you were with me trained me now to be with you the way you are now. Huh. You know, um, in a in a very sort of you know uh, 
serendipitous, weird, kind of fucked up kind of way. Um, you know, and I know, yeah, we don't, we don't talk as often as I would like. Because yeah. I, I kind of I kind of have to wait for you to reach out. Unfortunately, that's fair. Yeah, I know. Um, I, know I know how I am. No, no, no. I'm not judging you for it. I mean, no, no. I know you're not, but I'm. I'm also just confirming. Like, yes, I'm aware. Yeah, it's sort of like you know, you 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 do what you need to do to get through it. You're the person who you know. I mean, people poured in with their uh, with their words of comfort and their their sympathies and their condolences. Sure. Uh, right when my mom died. Yeah. And you, of course, like six months later, you're still sending me like a text once a week just saying like, how's your head? Yeah. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, and it was, I mean, I'm not saying like, I'm not bemoaning and, and complaining that nobody else did, but you were the only person who was still checking in on me. And that meant a lot. Well, that's my job. Well, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Like, here's, <laughs> like, here's the thing. I only have two best friends. And by extension, I only have two friends. And, you know, I don't have the luxury of not checking in with you. All right. You know, that's part of the job description. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I definitely learned that as well. (laughs) Uh. You know, like I, you know, and also it would be exceedingly hypocritical of me and unkind at the very least for me to turn a blind eye to what you're going through when you were there for me. Yeah. You know? Um, and so at the very least, I'm just kind of, I'm paying you back. This is like this whole, my strategy of just staying busy is, is benefiting me, but it's also kind of backfired on me on a little bit. Why? Too. Um, well, um, as my audience knows, I don't, uh, tour as frequently as well as I much as I used to, sure. or as frequently as my peers do, right? Or a handful of my peers do. But this year, I've been um, much more active in in yeah, traveling. Actually, and you have been. Yeah, I you've, did. You've couple, gone to a bunch of places. Did a couple week tour on in in January with uh, Warrock and Tribe One, mm-hmm. and since then, I've been doing. I've done. You know, th- this year I've been traveling a lot for cons. I did. You know, PenguinCon in in Ann Arbor and. Uh, yeah, San Diego Comic Con. San Diego, sure. San, uh, Denver Comic Con. Wow. Orlando Nerd Fest. Um, yeah, you did. You did a bunch of stuff. I've, I've, yeah, I've done a lot of traveling this year, and I'm not done traveling yet. Mm-hmm. There's still more stuff coming up, um, and that has been great to get out and do the thing that I love to do, which is perform. Yeah. Um, but it's, I guess, the the kind of kickback to that is has been that. Uh, it's it's a lot more difficult for me than it used to be, and yeah. not the performing part. The performing part is still the best. Sure, if I fly anywhere in the country and I spend three days, that forty minutes on stage is worth any flight delay, <laughs> lost luggage, right, uh, right, everything. Right, right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But but, but, but everything but else it's, is it's, hard. It's, it's the social part of it yeah. has has become very hard, and I found that you know in the past year I've been confronted with more kind of needy entitled fans uh. who you know demand so much of me in public and uh and also going places where i would you know normally feel like i had much more of a sense of camaraderie among my peers sure. where a lot of those relationships are now either seriously damaged or no longer existent because of how explosive and volatile i am on social media yeah 
Um, so I, I, I yeah, find myself like I, I do all this traveling and I go and I, and I perform to an audience and I see like a, a bunch of strangers that are excited to see me and that they love what I do. And that's great. And then I spend the whole night being afraid of them because I don't really know how to be comfortable and how to be myself and how to like not overperform. And I'm just very self-conscious of like every decision I make with my body and my yeah. language now. And, yeah. and I, and I, I spend a lot of time hiding out in hotel rooms. Yeah. Um, you know what? You know what? You know, I'm going to say that <laughs> what that's good too. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's, 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 there's, here's the thing you, mm, I, I guess I mean, you know what? Your fans are not my fans. So I don't really give a fuck. You don't owe your fans anything. Yeah. That, you, that, that you, message has not been relayed to all of them. No, I get that. And that, but then, but then that's their problem. That's their demon that they're going to have to work out. You created a thing. Yeah. Yeah. You go and you do that thing because yeah. you're hired to do the thing. Right. And and I know you. You're always you're always exceedingly grateful for people who come out. You're always uh, 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 sure. gracious and and welcoming to any fan who appreciates what you do. It's humbling that Absolutely. people that people that I don't know know the words that I wrote in this apartment where I hang out by myself. Exactly. <laughs> and I know you. And I and I know and I know that you would in the moment. You would, I, I know for a fact that on stage, you give 110% of yourself. You hold nothing back. When you leave that stage, you are the single most exhausted man on the planet. <laughs> um, but that's really all you owe them. Yeah. They purchased a ticket to see you perform. You performed. I understand. That's the end of your job. I understand this on paper. No, I, 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 I and I do. It's, I do. Theory. It's, it's a lot. It's, 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 the the theory and practice of it are two completely different things. Right. But the thing is, you're also going through a thing. Yeah, and you need to take care of you when it's time to take care of you. Yeah, and I and that's that, that's been a lot of my experience in in the traveling that I've done this year is that I am going to these places and I am going there. I'm working, but I'm also seeking a certain nourishment that I get from performing for my audience. Oh, sure. And and it's intoxicating and it's addictive and it and it is therapeutic. And I go and I get that and I'm hungry for it. And then when I am when I feel like my boundaries are being crossed, I still like kind of keep giving a little bit longer than I need to. There is a point where it, where it stops. Well, that's good. And that's the point where I become this kind of frightened cornered dog and I bite because yeah. I, I get to a point where I, I just can't take anymore. And I think that sometimes, I mean, I've had a couple of ugly interactions with fans of late. And I think that that's the thing that is often that is not fairly remembered is that I'm just as much of a social misfit and I'm just as anxious and frightened and mm -hmm. damaged as anybody who is listening to what I'm absolutely. And I think I there's, think, I feel like that sometimes there's unfairly, there's an expectation that is projected onto me. Well, there's absolutely I, unfair. Yeah. Right, that I absolutely that is I, an unfair projection. They, that they bought some songs online and then I owe them my, well, it's also, I mean, we're, we're also talking about a, a minority here. You know what I mean? We're not. Oh, absolutely. My fan yeah. base, by and large, is not. Yeah. They they are respectful. No, I, I actually love your fans. Your fans are they're I mean are they're really great. fucking cool people. Uh, I'm actually really close friends with your fans because I've gotten to know them over the years. Sure. Um, and we're talking about a very small percentage of people. A fringe element. <laughs> you know, and and here's here's what I have to say about that. Here's what I've learned. You take care of you. I have learned, I have learned, I've, I've been forced to learn that uh, contrary to my popular belief, I'm actually an introvert. 
all these years, I thought I was an outgoing extrovert and I was just lying to myself. You were performing. Absolutely. And what I've come to realize is that I'm actually an introvert. Um, I'm an, I'm an extroverted introvert, which is interesting. I remember days where you and I would get together and go to a burlesque show that neither of us were performing in, that we weren't producing. We would just go to it together because like, Hey, that would be a fun thing to do. Yeah. That sounds so fucking alien to me now. That's a foreign concept to me now. I mean, I know we did it just a few months ago. Yeah. But it's still just the idea of that is like bizarre. Right. And I think, I think it's also like we're older, we're wiser. You know, we, we've gotten to the, we've gotten to a point in our lives where we don't feel like we need to pretend anymore. And, well. you know, it's it's my two cents on that is that you handle as much as you can handle. And when you can't handle it, you can go away and be alone. Yeah. And your fans, are, you can't control what other people are going to do. No, I ever. And if you're going to and if, and if someone out there is going to be upset because you need a little Schaefer time because you've just been on stage and you've given them 200 percent of you and that's not enough for them, then there's no pleasing them. It's true. There's no pleasing. It's no, true. Nothing you can do is going to satisfy them. No, because then you give them some and then they're like, oh, well, now I can get this. Yeah. Now I want more. Yeah. Now we're married. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I think I think that's probably one of the biggest revelations that also came out of cancer is that I'm just tired of pretending to be someone that I'm not. Yeah, I'm just I don't have the energy for it anymore. I don't I don't have the energy to pretend to, uh, you know, care about things that I just don't care about or or be a certain way that I'm just not naturally being, you know, and, you know. Unfortunately for me, I'm really comfortable with this person that I've grown to be. Unfortunately for other people, they're not. They're not comfortable with the person you've become. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, they're forced to deal with this person who um, doesn't like the things that they like and doesn't really give a shit about the stuff that is important to them, you know, and because nobody has to care, you know, like... You know what? I'm just going to come out and say it. The New York burlesque scene. I was so passionate about the New York burlesque scene for years. I started my performance life on a burlesque stage and I've been in it for 10 years. Producing burlesque four of those 10 years. Five, technically. Five out of the 10 years. And I've just gotten to a point in my life where I just don't give a shit about New York City burlesque. Yeah, It's very important to other people and I respect that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the art form is unnecessary or that it's somehow invalid. It's very valid and very important to a lot of people. I am a minority voice in this. I personally do not care. Well, it's and I think that 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 opinion is informed to some degree by feeling abandoned by a number of your peers in this community. Well, because a number of people have like kind of turned their backs to you. Yes. Yes, they have. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. People then, that you were friends with. That's well, I mean, I've just kind of come to realize that that's just the growing pains of being honest with myself. Uh-huh. Um, and I just I can't pretend to to be someone that I'm not anymore. And they they all fell in love with the person that I'm not. And I'm now who I am, which is. I think better. It's way better. I think it's way better than the person. You are such a 
douchebag. <laughs> Just unlikable, miserable piece of fuck. But they loved the unlikable, miserable piece of fuck. Um, they all loved it. They all loved the sad, angry magician. They liked that character. They liked that character that I played, you know, and when I stopped doing that, I became problematic. And, you know, I mean, you know, and sort of like I'm, and I guess, I mean, a lot of it has to do with me as well because I'm the common denominator with all these people, you know. Um, but I just, I, I can't find myself I can't, I can't muster the energy to care. I'm disappointed. I'm Yeah, but that realization that you can't muster the energy. disappointed. The realization that you can't muster that energy it has to be kind of liberating. It is and it isn't. Because I loved those people. Yeah. Dearly. Loved them with every fiber of my being. I may have had a difficult time saying it or showing it mm-hmm. uh, because of what I was going through. Um but I mourn and miss every single person who has written me off. Yeah, it sucks. Um, and it's 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 too many. And I I uh, if if I was if this was a year ago, I would be right back to ground zero of being depressed. And if this had happened before oh, the yeah. cancer, yeah, I'd be back to ground zero. Of, yep, I would have watched this, and I would have been like, oh yeah. shit, here we go again, resetting the clock. Yeah, yeah. And you know, but because it's post cancer. It's like, I'm very, very sad that I've lost this friendship. But you know what? I, 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 can't, I can't let myself be mired in it. You know what your cancer is? In a, this is going to be just the crappiest analogy. <laughs> Bring it. Your cancer <laughs> has like, it's that kind of a long-term concentrated version of what weed is to me. <laughs> let me explain. Oh, please, please explain this. Hear me out. Okay. I am this ball of stress and anger and resentment and jealousy and just vitriol all the time. Right. Minor setbacks. They piss me off. They crawl under my skin. And I just, I get, (laughs) I start plotting revenge fantasies. Yeah, I know that. And I'm just pissed off at the world and yeah. I feel that I am in, that I deserve some kind of giant retribution for oh, all of these horrible oh, things that have been put upon me and then yeah. I smoke a tiny amount of weed and then I say almost out loud to myself oh fuck I thought that shit mattered <laughs> then I watch cartoons and I giggle yeah yeah, but but really, it's it's mostly there's that moment. Like I I realize that I do self medicate with both legal and illegal drugs. Sure, um, but mostly weed. Yeah, um, ha- is just just takes the it just makes me remember that like, hey, this shit that I stress out about all the time, not that big a deal, doesn't actually matter. Yeah, except now I have to take this in a dosage that comes like. 40 to 50 times a day. All right, that's a huge exaggeration. <laughs> that's a huge exaggeration. All right, it's not 40 to 50 times a day. No. But um but it it just gives me it just it gives me this kind of cognitive reframe yeah. to acknowledge that this shit doesn't actually matter and is not impacting my life in a profound way. Yours is much more important <laughs> than you got cancer and realized, "Hey, all of this petty shit doesn't matter because I'm alive." Yeah. So I am definitely cheapening your no, you're cancer not. survival no, you're not. by likening it No, you're not. to the uh giggle smoke. 
no, you're that not. I ingest every no, day. No, no, I, I don't, don't ever, ever. In, I, no, no one wins the comparison game ever. So you don't need to. You don't need to compare. I'm pretty sure under any structure, any, yeah. um, any scheme that, sure. that that cancer beats weed. Uh, I, I, I beg to differ. Okay. I beg to differ. Right. I, I had an experience that allowed me to put into context and perspective the, the, the events that were happening in my life. Mm-hmm. I got it in one giant dose. Okay. You, instead of, and, 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 and I, I got the dose and I'm good. Yeah. You, you get your context and perspective in smaller doses throughout the day. Yeah. That's really, when you break it down, that's really what's happening. Yeah. And I don't care if you're getting it in smaller doses or you're getting it in one giant dose. Mm -hmm. Because you, unlike me, have struggled your whole life with all kinds of like brain stuff that, that, you know, like, you know, panic attacks and, and, you know, bouts of like depression and, um, you know, ennui and melancholy, you know, like that's been a part of your life, which is why you are taking legal drugs because that helps you, uh, sort of balance out. Yeah. I've never had to deal with that. That's not a, that, that was never a thing that I've ever had to manage or even have a vocabulary for. So our, what we need out of life, like those moments of clarity and context and perspective are completely different as a result, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it took me getting something like cancer to wake me the fuck up. It takes you something as tiny as taking a puff of weed to wake you the fuck up. Mm-hmm. That's it. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I feel really confident in my life decisions now. Look, all I'm saying is it's, you do everything you need to do to get yourself through this. Yeah. And if that means smoking weed, smoke the weed. If that means taking your your prescription uh, brain pills, then take your prescription brain pills. If that means working on 100 guest verses in a month, then work on 100 guest verses <laughs> in a month. Fair enough. You do everything you need to do. And you know what? Your fans, the ones who are going to stick with you, the ones who are going to care about your next project, the ones who are going to buy your albums rather than getting them for free on some torrent site, they will be there. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Thanks, y'all. For doing that thing he just said. <laughs> uh, but I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm really glad we're talking about this. Yeah, because, I am too. Because I think a, it's important for us. Yeah. To talk about this, and I think it's also there are a lot of people out there struggling with this stuff. There's a lot of people struggling with stuff. I didn't realize how many people are struggling with this stuff because I remember I posted on Facebook one day about, you know, I don't get. Like, I think it's something something really glib about I think I'm the only one who doesn't get panic attacks mm-hmm. of my peer group yeah. and then everybody responded with <laughs> like it fucking blew up with all of these people and their experiences and what they're dealing with and I was very humbled by it because yeah. I wasn't expecting that big of an outcome. you also posted your your social media statuses about like kind of uh, confessing, for lack of a better term, mm. your, the time you were hospitalized when you were suicidal, you posted it in the wake of Robin Williams' death. I did. And when a lot of people were kind of talking about that. Yeah, and I true. feel like that was also kind of helpful. And Absolutely. Um, absolutely. The thing is, like, I'm no longer precious about the things I used to have shame over. That's liberating. Well, yeah, because it's sort of like, it, for better or for worse, it shaped me to be the person I am now. Mm-hmm. So, for better or for worse... 
it's a it's a thing that's a part of me, whether I like it or not. So I can choose not to like it and have all the baggage that comes with that, or I can choose to just embrace it and be free of the fucking baggage. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, there's there's tons more crap. I mean, you know, I grew up in a very troubled childhood, which I'm not going to get into, but not because I'm ashamed of it, and not going to talk about it. But that you know that that conversation requires a level of trust that I'm not going to share in a public forum. Sure, you know, we'll um, save it for the three year episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's just the, the the second I realized that none of the stuff that I held on to is really that precious, mm-hmm. um, I kind of stopped needing for my life to be a secret. Hmm. You know, um, and I don't really share myself very easily online. I, I tend to keep things pretty vague. Oh, you don't anymore. Oh no, no, no. During no, yeah, yeah, no. During during the t- the dashboard confessional years. Oh my god, it so was horrible. You're using Time Hop now too. Yes, I am. Oh my god, that must be like mortifying every other day. Every day I look at something from four years ago and I cringe. Yeah. Oh god, start fucking screen capping that shit and sending it to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because I'd like to rem- I, some of those. I'd like to go down memory lane and be like, oh yeah, Lugo did post that. Yeah. And I still like probably texted you and was like, dude, what are you doing? Uh there's a lot of today was not a good day. Tomorrow will be better. Though oh, there were a oh, lot of those. You know what there was a lot of? Yeah. I don't want. I I don't want a good wife. Yeah. I want my wife to be good. <laughs> You posted that more than once. <laughs> you know what? I still stand by that. Okay. Okay. I still stand by that. Well, I'm good. Because a good person is not a thing that exists. That's not true. Th- yes, it is. That's not true. That's, it's way too easy. It's way too uh, absolute. It's just that people fall into two categories, and it's not. There are good actions and bad actions. There are no such things as good people and bad people. I don't believe that. Well, I that's, think that's, that's, I mean, that's my, that's, point. I think, I think that's ultimately a semantic argument, uh, between you and me. Uh, you also believe in good, the concepts of good and evil. No, I don't. Yeah. Oh, good. Then you have grown up because you, <laughs> <laughs> and the concepts of good and evil are preposterous. Well, I think, I think what my ex-wife did was evil. Nope. She just didn't. Yes, it was. No. That, but she was not cognizant of the fact that what she was doing was particularly evil. That's what makes it not evil. Evil is malicious and has intent behind it. It was just to like fuck with you and make you suffer. And she didn't do anything deliberately to hurt you. Just everything she did did hurt you because she didn't. She I didn't beg give, to differ. I wait, beg to differ. She didn't give a shit about how you would be affected by the things that she did. That's right. different than doing it intentionally because the end result is well, then, then, the then delicious we... joy of hurting you. I think I think there was a part of that. I, I honestly truly believe that there was a part, a, a deliberate part of her actions that were meant to hurt me. Not everything. I'm not saying, but there were things that she did. She was cognizant of the right and the wrong, and she did it anyway. That's that's different. That's deliberate. No, that's that not. That is deliberate. No. You're making a conscious choice to do, like, you no. know the consequences You're making of your a action. conscious choice to do the thing that benefits you, not be, and knowing that it hurts somebody else, you're not doing it because it hurts the other person. You're doing it in spite of the fact that it hurts the other person, because I, of the way it benefits you. I, I acknowledge that. I'm saying there were a couple of things that she did that hurt me on purpose. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, okay. 
<laughs> so anyway, uh, in, in short, this podcast in, got real dark real fast. In summary, yes. Um, we, I'm good. I'm in a good place. You're not so much. Not so much. Well, I'm uh, not in a terrible place. Uh, no. I mean, I'm like I'm hanging out with my best friend. Well, right and now. I've had some really good shows and um, yeah, and you're struggling. You are still struggling. You're you're having a lot more a lot more dark days than good days. I'm struggling, but I am not in a terrible place. But I am not in a good place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I right, how I try to like end it on a positive note and I still have to qualify. Well, no, it with no, no. I think I think acknowledging the fact that you're still having more more dark days than good days is part of the solution. You know? Like just acknowledge that you're having crappy days. I don't think I'm having more of dark days than good days. Well that's well, you know what? That's actually better place you were than say like two weeks ago all right when when you know when we talked on the phone oh yeah you know right um but i'm I'm glad to hear it thank you yeah yeah well it's it's nice having having at least one really awesome fucking support fella in my corner (laughs) Support fella. That's what I went with. Support fella. I am. I'm gonna get that on a T-shirt. Nelson Lugo. Support fella. You are now my Mickey. Oh dear. And I'm training for my fight with Apollo Creed. Catch the rooster. Go ahead, catch it. Catch there the rooster. You, there you go. That's the best <laughs> Burgess Meredith impression in the history of the Epic Piecast. Uh, yeah. Um. So let's let's uh, let's end this on a more uh, positive uh, note. Oh, we can even go back to formula things that, that like we normally do yeah like what do you what have you been doing oh well here let me tell you about comic books but i'll make it real quick okay. because who gives a shit i <laughs> if you are not reading the book sex criminals by matt written by matt fraction <gasps> you're doing yourself a huge disservice I, that book oh. is so good and i know we've talked about it and i know everybody talks about it but it only gets better it's the only book that i'm reading in monthlies where i am really really excited for that single monthly issue it, um, it is the single most intelligently written it's comic it's, book that on the market today it is is brilliant writing about about sex yeah. and about mental health it is and it's got this and it of course it's just it's crazy like MacGuffin for telling the story well, sure is sure, also sure. wacky it's, and weird. it's sex criminals is such a good goddamn so good book. it's so good um also i just started reading why the last man written by brian k vaughn hey welcome to the party of saga fame i know everybody read it the shit has been like done it's a it was it was 10 trades it was finished years ago yeah yeah I came to the party late. Uh, I'm currently near the end of it, and it's awesome. And it's way better than all of the other the new stuff that I'm reading right now. It like actually <laughs> excites me. I'm I, I'm telling you, and I'm going to say this. I said this during the break. Yeah. I think I'm almost done reading Batman. I think <gasps> I'm done with it because oh. I'm reading of the monthly series I'm reading right now: Batman and Robin, Batman Detective Comics, Batman Eternal. I'm I'm sick to fucking tears of all of them. Batman still has potential. Scott Snyder's writing it. They just came out of zero year. Yep. That was great. He had a one-off issue. Ooh, remember Batman one-off issues that weren't like a 10-issue story arc or, <laughs> or, heaven forbid, some bullshit DC crossover <laughs> event? Yeah, well, Batman still has that going for it, so I'll give it that. Uh, Detective Comics, there have been a couple of storylines that have been weak, and who gives Icarus, a fuck? Icarus has been, was, was a good one. Batman Eternal, I defended it against Lugo, and now even I'm just like, I'm so tired of this mystery, and it's, uh. it's getting more and more convoluted. And then Batman and Robin, my favorite book, and now they're on this quest to like revive <laughs> Robin's corpse by traveling through a portal to a apocalypse and facing it's a, it's dark a, side. It's a and boom the tube. Justice a, League is in it. It's to be fair, it's a boom tube. It's 
I don't give a it's fucking bullshit and I'm sick of it I used to love that book when it was about a man and his son and their fucked up relationship as they fought crime in costumes sure. and now it's this hocus pocus nightmare and it's just it's 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 just a perfect representation of everything that's horrible about DC Comics and I think I'm pretty much done with you know if there's some awesome thing that happens great I'll pick up the trade months from now but sure, I, sure. I, buying these monthly books it just every one of them reading them pisses me off <laughs> I, read, I read Walking Dead and I read Sex Criminals yeah and then I'm going to read books that are old. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Lugo, what are you reading? I am reading about 14 books a week. Goodness. Um, and I'm not going to talk very much about any of them. Why is that? Because I am now writing comic book reviews for nerdyshow.com. You know, since we haven't been hanging out so much, I found out you were writing comic book reviews for nerdyshow.com yeah. uh, via social media. I, You know what? It happened really, really fast. Um, it's okay. You don't have to make excuses. <laughs> you, well, don't, no. you, you don't owe me an explanation. Well, be that as it hey, may. Hey, you're free to see other people if you want. Be that as it may, it was still a really fast thing. I got a, a message from uh, John Hex Carter. And um, he liked my weekly, you know, comic books. I read them sort of Instagram pics. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of like out of the blue said, hey, would you be interested in writing comic book reviews? Um, And I thought about it for like a good 30 seconds. And I said, well, they would have to be like the length of a tweet because I don't have time Mm -hmm. to sit there and write lengthy detailed analytical reviews of every single issue. Like Lucas Siegel pieces. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like, like editorial pieces. Yeah. I don't have the time for that. No. But if you could, but if you'll like, but if you'll accept like three sentences on a fucking comic book, I'll do that. And, um, it just so happened that, um, nerdyshow.com, if you haven't been to the site, you should go to the site because it's, it's slowly transforming. It's, it's slowly becoming what Newsarama is now. They're, they're starting to post more articles. They're starting to post more editorials and more reviews and um, more thought pieces. You know, so they're posting more stuff. And so um, there's actually a lot more content on the site. Um, and one of the things that I'm doing is I'm writing weekly comic book reviews. And I'm reading everything, uh, a whole lot of DC, uh, a, a good chunk of Marvel, uh, and a smattering of other independent stuff. Like stuff from from like Dark Horse Comics and IDW and Image and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really... Uh, I'm really digging it. I, I you know, it's, I, it's good. I like him. I like, I like reading, reading reviews. Yeah. And we'll, we're definitely throwing a link up in the show notes. Sure. So please go check out Lugo's. You know what? We've never, you've never actually told me if you like them or not. What do you, what do you think of them? I think they're good. Thank you. I think they're great. Thank you very much. Uh, I think you need to start being a lot more fucking careful with the images that you post online because you've now spoiled shit for not just me, but other people too. No, I'm not. No, I'm very careful about not spoiling anything. Yeah. All of the pics that I put yeah. on there are from like the first two pages. Yeah. You've, you've posted some kind of spoiler. No, I don't post spoilery okay. things. It's a single frame from a comic book. If there are two characters in the frame and mm-hmm. it tells a story, that's spoilery. If it's just a close up of one character doing something, maybe not so much. I disagree. Well, I, I I disagree. You know what, listeners? Um, if you've read my my reviews and you think that my picks that I'm putting along with the stories are too spoilery, let me know. Send us an email at theepicpiecast at gmail dot com. Let me know uh, if you know if you like the reviews, if you hate the reviews, if you want more from the reviews, um, if you want different images from the reviews. Let me know because I'm still learning how to do this. Uh, and. and- I'll, and and if if you agree with my assessment that Lugo tends to drop spoilers accidentally yeah. with the images that he posts, 
please write to us at epicpiecast at gmail.com and say, Schaefer, you were right. And if you disagree with Schaefer, of which I I vehemently disagree with, uh, write, uh, uh, Schaefer is a fucking idiot at Gmail, at epicpiecast at gmail.com. You know what? I'll just forward you the emails that I already get at my email address that say Schaefer is a fucking idiot, and then you can consider that validation. Well, that no, no, I want them specifically about the reviews. I don't need to know the general idiocy that you get blamed for. All right. Well, look, please go read Lugo's reviews because they are good. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. And then, and then one real quick thing because I'm that? sure we're both going to agree with this because the rest of America did Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that movie's so good. Yep, it was great. So good. Watch it. Watch it three times. I think that was enough of us talking about it because everybody else in the yeah. world already already we 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 can't possibly say anything that everybody else hasn't said about. Like it. Like 50 million people have already proposed marriage yeah. to that movie. There's nothing we're going to say that's going to make you see it because if you're even listening to this <laughs> bullshit podcast, you've probably seen the movie twice. I am Groot. Yep. Good job. That was. That was the best Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel impression. I was doing, I was doing Vin Diesel doing Groot. You, it was you meta. Did. You nailed it. Was it was meta. You nailed it. Uh, you know what? This has just been an episode of like praise and love. And I just really want to, uh, I just want you to feel. Happy birthday, Schaefer. It's not my birthday. It's happy the, birthday, Epic Podcast. Happy birthday. Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Epic Piecast, episode 24. I have been your host, Nelson Lugo. I have been your other host, Schaefer the Dark Lord. Be safe, internets. Hey, Lugo, check this out. Ooh, what's that? That's my new time travel device. What? What does that button do? No, 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 don't touch. Oh. That's what that does. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Epic Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, our loyal listener. So send us your feedback, love mail, hate mail, dick pics, and recipes to epicpiecast at gmail.com. But seriously, don't send us dick pics. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at nerdyshow.com store, or directly donating to the network. Any sized contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show audio and images and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com support to chip in. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com sponsorships. For more episodes of the Epic Piecast, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. We're glad to be your home for authentic nerdy entertainment. Strangers in the night Exchanging glances Lovers at first sight Strange romances We've been making love The whole night through Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, 